It is. What's up, everyone? Welcome back to the Dear Vane podcast. I'm your host, Anthony Heller. Today, we got Vince Badiata on from Michigan, Chasing Public is an Instagram. And we are talking about how public land can kick your ass and what is going, what you can do next year to to make it hurt less. <laughs> so that's what we're that's what we're running through today. Um, and as far as before we get rolling, before I have Vince uh, hop in here and introduce himself, just want to say a couple quick words. Uh, thank you to our partners, Onyx Maps, Venado, and Vector Custom Shop. Onyx Maps, a GPS mapping app, you know, shows waypoints, uh, private public land boundaries, works online, offline, just fantastic uh, hunting app to understand where you're at, where your tree stands are, scrapes are, helps you plot all that stuff out. Um, then Venado, they make custom lifestyle apparel. I shouldn't say custom. They make lifestyle apparel. Um, so sweatshirts, pants, uh, shorts, hoodies, um, long sleeves, Henleys, uh, flannels. They have some great stuff and it's a, it's a company that supports hunting. So a lot of it's based around hunting, what you want to do, uh, in the outdoors, they got some concealed carry stuff. So, uh, if you missed, if you missed a, uh, a Christmas gift or you, uh, you got a birthday coming up. I got my dad's birthday coming up. I usually find something from Venado and send his way. So, um, there's that. And then last but not least, Vector Custom Shop seasons wrapping up for a lot of people or it's already over. And um, you're maybe already starting to look into what your setup's going to be next year. Vector Custom Shop has custom arrows. You tell them, you know, how your draw weight, draw length, what you're hunting, what type of broadhead you're shooting. And they build an arrow that's set specifically for that so it can help tune quicker, easier, get you the penetration you're looking for and the flight you're looking for. So Vector Custom Shop, go check those guys out. And I believe they have a sale going on right now with 15% off. So go check those guys out. Find that 15% off on any of their uh, social media pages, Facebook, uh, Instagram, TikTok, all that fun stuff. All right. So with that, what's up, Vince? What's up, dude? How you doing? Good. Life's good. good. I am almost done with my home office i have like a couple things left i'm gonna be moving in this week so i'm excited okay. congratulations thank you thank you and my season's not over yet so i still got like yeah. three more three more weeks we got until january 31st here in wisconsin but uh all my weekends are taken so i'll probably be sneaking out of the office a few the new office a few days early um, trying to get out. I've been seeing a whole bunch of does out lately on public and private. Um, nice. Like even tonight, I was I eyeballed, just drove. I had to go pick up a bunch of, you know, when you do like a remodel or a reno, like it's like you go to Menards or Home Depot, like you expect to go there once and you go there like eight times. So oh, yeah, oh yeah, yeah. Today was one of those days. I went, <laughs> I went three times to the hardware store, and on the way back, then the third one, it was about four thirty. Or so, and I was seeing a whole bunch. I I counted nine does, and they're like three groups of three in different fields. Two of them oh, were nice. public, one of them was private. So I was like, "All right, this will be." Hopefully, I can get out here and there. They will cooperate. <laughs> nice. So, yeah, I hope I hope I hope you do get a chance to to get out there. Did you? Uh, I saw you had a uh, had a little issue with your bow. Is that resolved then, or is this? Do oh, we even get into this? 
Yeah, yeah, no, we can definitely talk about that. Like on the along the lines of like Vector Custom Shop getting new arrows. I uh yeah, the other day, I think it was Thursday. So right now is Sunday. We're gonna be airing the podcast tomorrow morning on Monday. Um, but yeah, the other day I was drawing my bow. I had just done a large back workout. I did sure. like 20, 30 pull-ups and I did a whole bunch of deadlifts. I did some barbell rows and then I did something else. And I did, I did a whole bunch of back stuff. And then, um, then I went out, I was like, you know what? I'm going to cam Haynes this and I'm going to go shoot my bow. <laughs> I'm going to be cool. So I was like, you know, I did, I haven't shot, I hadn't shot my bow in, I don't know, maybe like three weeks or so. So I was just like, yeah, I'm just going to go sling a couple arrows and just, uh, just get the feeling back. Cause I was going to try to hunt this weekend. Um, and on my third arrow, I drew back and it was like pretty tough. And I was like, Oh man. And I was right at like the wall where you're going to pop over your hump and gain all your let off. Sure. And I was like, no, I'm not going to do it. And I kind of let, my let down a little bit like i struggled through it you know it was fighting me and right as it like lurched forward a little bit i don't know what happened but my uh cable one of my cables just snapped in half like Uh, and um oh yeah and it just like i don't i didn't know what happened and like my release just flew backwards out of my hand like 20 30 feet my arrow went forward about 20 yards um knock was missing out of my arrow so i'm assuming that thing just shattered uh string was off the cams cable snapped and my like just right there i just had and my rest was all janked up so i think the cable hit my rest uh when after it snapped um and then i hit my wrist the string hit the cable hit my wrist pretty good um so i still got a little bruise on that but yeah it's just kind of one of those things that's like it happened in, you know, a quarter of a second. And I was like, what in the fuck just happened? And then I was just waiting for like the searing pain, (laughs) you know, like when something really bad happens and you're just like, oh man, something's going to hurt right in like a few seconds. Like there's no way I skated out of this, like totally clean. Like I was expecting to like, oh no, are all my fingers here? Yeah. Yeah, My fingers fingers or like my face or have some sort of lash on my arm, something ridiculous. Um, but I didn't like I did. I did skate by clean, like nothing, nothing bad that I know of yet. It's been five days. Nothing bad has been or six days. Um, yeah. So that actually happened on Tuesday because on Wednesday, Tuesday night, I ordered a new string, um, okay. jumped onto. Yeah, that string was um, it was I had replaced it in September. So it was the zebra. It was a standard zebra string from Matthews, took it to a Matthews pro shop in September, got it replaced. Um, and then, uh, and then I don't, yeah, I don't know if it was the string, like the string and cables. I don't know if that was the problem. If there was something wrong with my bow, I don't know what the whole issue was, but I know prior to that string and cables, I had had a string and cables on that for almost two years and I didn't have a problem. Right. So like, right. and I hadn't, yeah. I didn't do anything with the cams. I wasn't shooting my bow any different. And it's not like, like I've seen a lot of guys shoot, you know, you watch guys like try to pull bows back and they can't do it. And they like fall forward or, sure. or guys who like, you know, they're drawn and you're feeling like you're kind of solid, but then you just let the creep come in and all of a sudden you just like jank forward. Bam. Yeah. Like that yeah. happens all the time and, and cables don't snap. So yeah, for sure. I don't know like what the deal was with that really. Um, 
and I, I assume we'll, we'll never know, but um, yeah. And it didn't make the cable made a loud crack. I inspected all my limbs, no, no issues or anything. And I'll send you, I'll have to send you a picture of the bow. So I went on America's best bow strings and yeah. they were like, yeah, we can, I think it takes a few days to make them make a string yeah. and then send it to you. Um, they had the exact, someone had already, they had already made the exact string that I wanted for someone else and they didn't buy it or they returned it or something. And it was just sitting there and it was discounted. Uh-huh. So I was like, yeah, I'll take that. And Sweet. it showed up two days later and a buddy of mine had off on Friday. So I dropped it off at his house Friday morning before work. And after in the afternoon, I went over and picked it up and shot it a few times and it's working. <laughs> Is it, so, have you already got yourself sighted in then? Like you feel good about it or you're not that far yet? No, no, no. I put in like, I don't know, maybe 15, a dozen, 15 sure. arrows or so on um, sure. that day. And then I've just been doing remodels and we had a whole, we had just a whole bunch of stuff going on this weekend. So this week I'll be getting a bunch more shots in. Um, but nice. I was hitting dead nuts at 10 yards. So I'm going to be close. I'm definitely going to be close. The sure. real question is, is like, do I want to tune? Do I want to spend like a couple of days trying to tune for the iron wheel broadheads or do I just slap on my schwackers for the rest of the season and just send it? With I say slap on the swackers, dude. Let them rip. <laughs> Let them rip. If it's inside forty, just have a good time. With right. Time that's, yeah, that's what I'm thinking. I'm thinking I'll because I know. have a, I have one of those. I have like a practice swacker or whatever. So I will, I'll probably screw that on and just send it at forty yards. And if it's pretty damn close to my field tips, then I'm gonna be, I'm just yeah. gonna send those. I'm not that's gonna good. worry about tuning. Sure. I mean, it'll, it'll be like if the schwacker hits, because people tend to think like you can have a bow that's not tuned and still your, your uh, expandables will hit in the exact same spot. And a lot of times they won't, a lot of times they'll still be off, but people never know it because you don't practice shoot expandables. Right. Right. So people just assume it's going to hit. So yeah, I mean, it, it looks pretty well lined up and I will throw a fixed blade through it. And if the, if my, if my like iron will hits where I want it, like roughly I'll be pretty confident in the schwacker. Um, if the iron wills like eight inches to the right, like I'm going to be like, <laughs> okay, there's, there's something wrong here. And I'm going to, I'm going to mess around with that a little bit, but if it's like one right. or two inches, I'm going to be, I'm going to be okay. I'll be a little okay with that. Yeah. 100%. I would agree. So sure. Yeah, so that'll be that'll be fun. That'll be a, a project for this week. Um, seeing what I can do. But yeah, good question. <laughs> Way to kick this off. So yeah, this public land podcast, not mine. Grass, uh and and it did I, I went out a few times on public this year. Um I saw some good deer. Uh didn't really kick my ass like yours though. It's just my my gear has has or my bow has beat me up a little bit this year. Sure. Right. Yeah. yeah so how so tell i mean i kind of know how your season's been rolling but yeah so um like i'll just give a just a short highlight overview is i've had multiple encounters i've had some great opportunities and um all have been my fault and i don't know if it's lack of just um, you know, 
practice or if I'm getting in my own head or, um, you know, just kind of the buck fever taking over or what the deal is. But, um, you know, I've had, I had a really good encounter first week of the season, target buck, hit him in the high shoulder, unrecovered deer. That's a whole long podcast, uh, episode, but we could definitely talk about that. Um, yeah, that's a tough one. Had another opportunity um, later on in the season on a, on a doe. I don't typically gun hunt that much. Um, I picked up a gun twice in the last two years. Uh, the previous year, I did I did shoot a nice deer uh, with a rifle, first rifle buck, and then this year, I had a I had a doe standing at ninety yards. Pulled up freehand with a with a slug gun and let her rip and she dropped dead in her tracks. Yeah, perfect. She's yeah. done. So I'm like, all right, walking all high and mighty, going to eject the round, and she stands up. And I'm like, oh no. Oh no. Trying to rack this eight old 20-year-old, like 870 pump gun and the shells jammed i get it out and she's trying to like crawl away so i pull up pull the gun up again i shoot i miss because i don't i i have no business using a gun out there at all i don't i'm not practiced at all typical hunter right and uh so i miss i try to rack it again gun gets jammed again because it's old and rusty and who knows what's wrong with it and as I'm trying to get get the shell out, she's trying to crawl and, and get away. I'm trying to get the shell out. She's trying to crawl and get away. I look up. She's looking at me. I'm looking at her. I can't get the gun on Jen. I'm looking down. I finally get it open. And I look up, and she's gone. And I'm like, oh, geez. So I, like, run towards where she was at, try to find blood, and it just starts pouring rain. And I had blood for, like, a few minutes, and then it was just gone. Like, just uh. gone. And, uh, so I don't know, I had never found her. So that was another unrecovered injured deer. So at that point I'll, I'm pretty sick and shaking up every time I see a deer from that point forward through the rest of the season, uh, end up having a, another, another good buck later on that year, uh, a couple weeks after that step out right in front of me, grab my bow too soon, busted right, right in front of me, clean broadside, dumb deer too. Like I had no idea. I had all the time in the world, but I was so excited just for seeing a deer that yeah. like just went straight into just buck fever mode. It's just been, it's been a lot now. Granted, it's also been my first year as an adult hunting public land back in my home state of Michigan. So I had a lot of, uh, a lot of, uh, eye openers this year that I'm not used to. Um, and it's been been pretty pretty challenging but uh it's been exciting yeah Definitely been exciting. yeah and then you finally then you i saw oh, on yeah. your instagram you did get a doe i did shoot a doe yes right? I let's did talk about some doe. positives let's, okay, let's yeah. go with some so, positives around. well yeah i'll back up all of those are positives okay anybody could look at them however they want in my eyes they're still positives i had an opportunity yes i messed it up that sucks but I was in the right place at the right time. I was able to to give myself an opportunity. I just didn't close the deal. That's my own right. fault. Um, but yeah, I did. I did connect on a doe on the last day of the season in the last 90 seconds of the season. <laughs> uh, turned out to be my longest bow shot, which was at 41 yards. I'm really proud of that. 
Um, however, I drew back on her twice. I was I was shaking up so hard when I grabbed when I went to grab my bow. You would have thought I was shooting at a Boone and Crockett deer. I was shaking so hard. And uh well, after a few, you know, after a few like setbacks, right? Yes. So the guy, yeah, and I mean that that messes with anybody for oh, yeah. like you like like you could you could gut shoot a deer on Monday and have the whole week off during the rut and you gut shoot like a deer on the Monday and you probably are like, I don't even want to hunt Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday. Like yeah. you just like, yeah. And you're just like, you know, I'm just going to go shoot in the yard. Like I'm only going to shoot deer under 15 yards or, <laughs> you know, you're just like, yeah, yeah. just like, I mean, it, it's the total confidence deflation. Oh, it sucks it right out of you. That, that, that buck I had shot in the very first week of the season, which it was on October 3rd. So the third day in the season, I then hunted that same deer after that on those same conditions for the rest of October into the first part of November, trying to see if I could get another crack at them. I eventually bumped them the middle of the way through November. Um, but that was the last I ever saw of them. Never had another opportunity. Um, any trail yeah, cam just, picks or just, anything? No, nothing. No. It's just, but to your point, it just, it ate at me so hard that I like forced myself to just be there instead yeah. of, I could, I could have been in other places trying to chase something else, but I was just trying to like get that moment back. And it just, it was just, yeah, yeah. It was yeah. dude, that's, yeah, that's yeah. tough. Um, But anyway, you were, you were saying, sorry, I interrupted you. Uh, it, your, it ended up being your longest bow shot you yeah. you had picked your bow up and you had you drew on her twice or yes. something so i had i had like 12 does come in the field and when they came out in, into this into this this field um they like walked up to like the timber edge and before they'd enter the field they would jump out like 10 yards and sprint like 35 straight forward and where I was sitting was on like this little like corner edge. So they were parallel to me. And by the time they'd be out there, they'd be out there like 50 yards. So over a course of 15 minutes, I had 12 different does pile into this, into this field. Um, but they all eventually started kind of like heading my way a little bit. And because of that, the last doe that entered the field, she didn't think that she had to go all the way out there because the rest of the deer were, were heading her way. So she just kind of slowly stepped out and, kind of stepped in my lane and when she did she was at like 30 yards so i, I, I grabbed my bow yeah. i'm shaking shaking like a leaf i i, I draw a ranger i draw back and i'm shaking so hard i in my head i'm like this is impossible there's no way i i should have any business pulling the trigger on my release i i can't even see the deer like i'm shaking so bad that <laughs> i i don't even know what i'm looking at so i let i let my bow down and so I kind of like try to recatch my composure for five or six minutes. She starts to walk away a little bit and I'm like, okay, well, I, I look at the time and there's like 90 seconds left before shooting lights over and the season's done. I'm like, okay, well, there's no bucks coming and I'm already shaking. I might as well give it a shot. Cause this is the only opportunity I, ha I have left for the season yeah. to, to harvest any deer. And so I range her again, she ranges at 40, 41 yards. And then I, I draw back, I'm shaking like crazy. And I kind of do one of those like no-nos, which is like, all right, I'm going to kind of time it when it's on her. I'm going to like pull the trigger. And I did that. And 
I got lucky because she turned so hard and, 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 and ducked so hard and quartered like to me at the same time of the shot that I actually shot her in the top of her back and the arrow went straight down through her guts. And because of that, I had no blood at all because the guts just filled the hole in the bottom. And then she ran into the swamp like 150 yards. We went to, I actually got down, went and picked up Audrey. We came back. So this is probably 45 minutes after looking for blood, made it 50 yards. Don't see any blood. I finally found like a little like speck drop on like some leftover snow. And so I was like, okay, that's it. So I just kind of stick my arrow there. So it was super thick, just a nasty, like thick, viney, like twisty up pricker swamp and yeah. so stick the air on the ground and right then and there we just decided we're going to call a, a tracking dog in and and let them do the job so eventually we ended up not even tracking the deer until the following morning um and those dogs are amazing i've only used a dog twice and i don't know if i'll ever not use a dog like if i'm even in like barely question if it's legal in the state i'm i'm calling a dog tracker for sure because that that deer found that, uh, or I'm sorry, that dog found that deer in less than 15 minutes, and we couldn't even crawl like we could hardly crawl through this stuff. It was it was really impressive. That's wild. Yeah. That's uh, I mean, I can't. I I don't know how many podcasts you've listened to, but I've preached that over and over. I have like I think I had three podcasts this year where the guys brought in dogs, and it's just it's phenomenal. It it really is like. So did you, did you get, uh, did you get any lungs? Did you get lungs, liver, anything, or did you, so, gut did you end up gut shooting? No, uh, no liver clipped one lung. So it was on the top of the back, but just off the side of the spine. So just destroyed one. Uh, it would have been her right back strap, just like okay. straight through the top of the back, straight down, right. It just clipped the back of the lung and then right down through the guts. Gotcha. No. okay so like, i mean how far like it took the dog 15 minutes did you guys go from the shot is it like 200 yards like 100 yards or uh, i would say it's probably anywhere between 150 to 170 yards from where she was shot okay to where she was actually found gotcha okay yeah. and that dog just kind of worked did the dog start from your arrow or did the dog start from the shot so uh this guy he um he'll ask you, you know, Hey, where's, where's the last piece of blood that you found? And I'll tell him, he said, okay, we'll, we'll leave that alone for now. He's like, where was she shot? It's like, okay, she shot over here. He's like, okay. So he'll bring the dog over there and he'll tell her to start tracking from there. And he says that he does that because when the initial moment that they get injured that heavily, the amount of scent that gets pushed out and i don't know if i'm going to pronounce this right but through the uh, inner digital gland between their like little hooves, like their hooves the amount that comes out on that initial like injury pushes heavy scent into the ground right there where they can catch a really good like scent trail and that's when then, then that's when they start if like you can't remember or anything like that he'll take them he'll take the dog to last blood and, and start there gotcha but, yeah interesting i don't yeah and i don't know what the inner digital gland is so i don't know if you're saying it right or not i don't yeah i don't know <laughs> but then so then that dog worked from the shot did he eventually go like right past your arrow went oh, yeah, right to my arrow. 
right to it yeah yep it went straight it, it literally yeah he just walked straight or i should say uh she her name's bindi i uh, went straight i mean exactly on the line that the deer ran because the deer ran from the shot to the timber line and then down the edge and then cut into the timber and she did exactly that and when i saw her do that i was just like dude these things are amazing <laughs> like i need my dog to do this no shit yeah yeah, yeah. oh man so, but you ended up getting her any meat loss on her at all or no? Uh, a little bit off that one backstrap, but that was it. Everything else was, was great. Yeah. Got it. Got two full, two full bags, average size doe, not a, not a yearling, but not a nanny. She was probably sure. 115 pounds, maybe. Yeah. Nothing, nothing crazy, but great doe actually is my first recovered doe. So, which is cool. And that is cool. Longest on, bow uh, shot, first public yeah. land deer. Yeah, first public land deer in Michigan. Yeah, technically my first uh, deer from a saddle. I've killed a lot of a lot of public deer from the ground or from a ground blind. Mm-hmm. Um, it just happened that way. Yeah, yeah. But it, it was actually it was really cool. It's probably one of the most memorable uh, harvests I'll probably have for a long time. Because did it you just, film it? I didn't. Um, I put down. I filmed all of my hunts. I filmed all of my hunts up until I injured that doe. Okay. And that happened. I was just, I was just like, okay, I, the only thing I need to focus on is hunting. Like yeah. self-filming is really enjoyable for me, but at the same time, it's, uh, it's like shooting them two or three times over. Like you're killing them with the camera, like two or three times, maybe more. And now you have to get your, get your bow and then try mm-hmm. to stay composed and you're, focusing on the camera and and all that stuff and it's just it's a lot like unless you do it all the time i feel like it's it can be a bit much it's overwhelming it is it is and the other the other yeah it's just kind of you gotta love you gotta love to film it because i have i've filmed pretty much all my hunts this year and i haven't released like any of the i haven't even looked through the footage to be honest like i have some good bucks on camera that i've seen like running past me or whatever and i haven't even like I don't know. I haven't even pulled it up on my computer because I'm like, yeah, I know there. That was a really nice buck. Like horseshoes only counting or almost yeah. only counts in horseshoes and hand grenades. Like <laughs> whatever. Yeah. Like I, you know, it is what it is. Um, yeah, I yeah. didn't review any of the footage that I've taken this year. The only one I have is that first that first buck of the year. I watched that footage a hundred times, and yeah, because of that, I watched it with the dog tracker, and we both ended up agreeing that hey this deer was hit in the high shoulder and that's why he was acting the way that he was acting uh and then we actually recovered the arrow we we believe that he's alive and well and then as far as how far we tracked him and the train we went through so i mean you know the video footage was was very handy if you if you like it definitely do it it's enjoyable yeah but uh if you're gonna think about getting into it you should really do some research before just hopping into it for sure yeah it is extremely extremely handy like when you hit a deer you're like all right where did i hit and mm-hmm. if you just you can watch the footage back and you know like instantly sure. like yep yeah. that's where it is that's why i encourage like anybody who shoots like should shoot i think people should shoot a lighted knock for that reason yeah, just so sure. you know where you hit that animal like, did you hit it in the ass? Did you hit it in the neck? Did you hit it in the guts? Did you hit it in the lungs? Like, a lighted knock pretty much tells you. Sure, sure. Right? 
Otherwise, yeah. you know, if you're zipping one out there and like you're doing it like you should, right? Where it's literally like follow through and just watch that arrow through effectively your sight or your string. Like you shouldn't be like peeking off to the side of your bow to see where that arrow hit, right? You should be following that right down the line, follow through, just like golf. Like if you've ever golfed, I hate golf. And I took some lessons one time because I was so bad at it that I just like, <laughs> I had to do it for work. So I had this big golf thing coming up for work. I was like, I don't want to be a fool. I'm going to take a lesson. And this pro was like, don't worry about where the ball goes. Just hit it. I will watch the ball. Someone else will watch the ball for you. You don't like, don't worry about it. Just hit the ball. And that's the same thing with, with archery. You shouldn't worry about like, you should shoot. And then like, then you should just like, your eyes should just take you right there. You shouldn't have to move off to the side. So if you're doing that and you don't have a lighted knock, half the time, you know, your bow is going to cover up the shot, like your sight window or something's going to cover up where you actually hit. And you're going to be like, where'd you hit it? Like, don't know. Not sure. Look good. Look right? good though. <laughs> right. Sounded good. Oh yeah. What does sound good sound? Was that, I don't know. You know, right. <laughs> Sounded good. Okay. Um, right. That's that. I, that's one of those weird ones, unless you're like Levi Morgan and you know what it sounds like and you're killing, you know, 10, 15 deer a year that and you know exactly what it sounds like then i'm just kind of like uh, i don't really trust that opinion <laughs> you know like right. um yeah one of my buddies this year like yeah he was like in a in, we had this big text thread go, going on and uh and i i don't know if i called him out on this or not but like there were like two pictures sent like here's the blood and then also here's the blood. And I think I hit them here and there were like two pictures. And one of my buddies is like, yep, that's a dead deer for sure. hundred percent. Go get them, go find them. And I was like, I don't know, dude, I would back out. Like, if you don't know, back out, give it four hours back out. And my other buddy's like, no, that's a dead deer. Like, just go get him. He's going to be right there. And I'm like, I don't know. And I didn't, I like, unfortunately I was right. They went and my buddy went in four hours later with the guy who was like, Nope, that's a dead deer. He's dead. Go get him." Um, and they didn't find him, you know? So they like backed out and waited another like five hours and had a dog come in and they, they ended up finding him then, but it wasn't yeah. a 30 yard track or a 50 yard track. Like they were expecting, sure. you know, yeah, kind no, of one, those one, things, of the, like, one of the things I learned from the track of this year was, uh, He's like, do not be fooled. Like, just because you have a lot of blood doesn't mean that, like, that's a dead deer. Like, you need to be very cautious about that. And that that proved out to be right. I had tons of blood from that buck for, like, 150 yards. And then it just stopped cold clean. Yeah, muscle. You know, and people I talked to that night were like, yeah, go get him. That's a dead deer. And then other yep. people I talked to was like, man, if it just stopped, like, you need to, like, you need to just wait, wait till the morning that's and like I did. we tracked him for two miles after that picked up blood two miles later bumped him in november yep that's yeah man just... those so like muscle muscle hits like that and i was on a track like that last year and um and i don't know why like it's just so much blood that you're like oh that deer is going to be right around the corner like it's mm -hmm. just like pouring out and when it's like that now, that's like one of the, I, I get real nervous when I see a lot of blood because 
all the deer that I, I shot a doe this year and I tracked, I helped track uh one, two, three, I tracked four deer, four other deer this year. So five deer mm-hmm. total. And the, the two deer that were like difficult to find had a lot of blood. Like it was an easy blood trail, but it was real long. And the other three deer had like no blood trail and they were dead in like 60 yards. So it's just like one of those things that's like, dude, I'm not like a huge proponent of a lot of blood. <laughs> yeah. Uh, which brings up another thing that I learned from this, this guy as well, uh, which dude, I love, I love learning new stuff like that. But uh, he said um, they typically find, or he typically finds more uh, recovered track deer with no blood than deer with blood nine times out of 10. I was like, really? He's like, 100%. (laughs) Okay. (laughs) I'll be calling you again. (laughs) Right. Yeah, exactly. It's yeah. I mean, even just for the, whatever, you know, I know you only tracked him for fifth, that dog had it in 15 minutes, but you probably spent an hour with that guy. And just that knowledge, like that sets you up for the next 10 years and tracking deer, you know? Like just, and when your buddies call you and when friends call you, you know, or you get text message, you're a part of a thread, you know, and you're just like, dude, I, I, I can't wait. I can't wait for a buddy of mine to call me. And it's like, dude, yeah, I got, I got this blood. It just stopped. And I I don't, I don't know where he's at. And I'm going to tell him, call it, call a dog. And they're going to say, oh no, I'm not, I'm not doing that. I'm not, I'll just go back in the morning. So no, call a dog. Yep going to come up on empty-handed you know yeah tons of blood tons of blood i'm gonna go find him dude can't fucking find him yeah for sure oh uh, so how many back to like kind of the topic of this how many um how many times did you sit this year did you count i know you were you were out a lot uh i lost count so my i didn't so i didn't count because i lost count um i hunted every day that i possibly could i would say every other day would be like the minimum yeah for the entire season probably oh then that was three months so like 90 ish days so probably like 45 50 sets over 50 sets for sure yeah that yeah so probably more yeah yeah right and that's that's one of the you know new piece like these and these are all new pieces of public for you right yeah, every single place was completely new. I, I hunted Michigan when I was a kid from 12 to 18, but back then I wasn't I wasn't even into bow hunting yet. And it was all permission piece. And I was a kid sure. with my dad. And it was, yeah. hey, you sit here and if it's brown, shoot it. You know, it was <laughs> it was like that. So this is everything is new. Um, you know, you know, for me. And I, I a lot of times, like, even if it didn't, like, if the situation didn't set up right, I would still go and sit because it just gave me more knowledge, just, just observing, right. To yeah. prove out like, oh yeah, I was right. Like, it's not, it's not happening today. Like I knew it wasn't going to, but I'd go sit anyway to like, kind of like take that off my list. So just like prove myself out. Don't waste your time here for next right. season. But I tried to like knock a lot of stuff off this year to to not have to waste my time on some stuff next year. So, yeah, that's a great, you know, because people, that's a great tip because people, um, 
<clears throat> always hear like you want to hunt good weather days and you don't want to spread your scent and sure. you'll want to like be selective about when you sit and whatnot. But it's hard to, it's kind of like one of those things where people are like, this is how you do a push up, And it's hard to really know how to do a push up until you do one. Sure. Right. So like you can say like, dude, it's been 70 for the last six days. Um, and I don't think I'm going to see a buck in November when it's 70 out or maybe October, mid October. Like, I don't think I'm going to see, but I might as well go and just make sure that I am wrong or I am right. And I'm not going to see a deer. Right. If you have the time, because, you know, later down the line, when you don't have the time, that's going to pay dividends when you're like, dude, I got X amount of PTO days and, or, or you have like a scenario where, you're like, all right, dude, I can hunt Wednesday and Thursday, or I can hunt Friday and Saturday. And you pull up the 10 day forecast and you're like, all right, I'm going to hunt Friday, Saturday. Like, I don't need to waste my time. Like this is sure. garbagey weather, whatever yeah. it is. It just gives you that, like that info for later in life. hundred percent. What, uh, what else do you think like was really helpful in, in tackling this new, this new public and at least getting the opportunities uh dude we scouted our asses off as soon as we moved here we moved here and gosh i can't believe time's flown back so we moved here a year ago in december um so that would have been december 2021 and as soon as we moved in i would say like two weeks after that it was still during the hunting season so we just threw on orange and we just went scouting and we just tried to learn as many just just like familiarize ourselves with like, okay, hey, this looks like there could be a good, this looks like it could be a good piece here. Here's another good one here. They're all kind of within like 15, 20 minutes of each other. So I can pull up, there's cars here. Nope, just go down to the next one. Just to like kind of know just places to go for starters. And then we literally just hiked as much as we can through some of these places, just trying to find anything that would just, stick out and out of we I, I marked off um eventually that i had been to 50 different chunks of public ground and you know scouted all over them and out of those 50 pieces it came down to two for the entire season that i could actually like pretty much hunt with minimal pressure for the entire season on public out of those 50 so that's kind of what really helped us to be able to probably get the opportunities that we got. Cause Audrey had a ton of opportunities. It just didn't come together as well. So. Yeah. And, uh, and numbers. yeah. And for everyone listening, Audrey is Vince's now fiance. Hey, Hey, Nancy. Stay away boys. Stay away. <laughs> um, but, uh, so yeah, that's, that's really interesting. So as far as like scouting, you know, 50 pieces, did you know that the two that you ended up hunting, did you know that those were the two that you were very likely to hunt going into season or like, how did you understand pressure during like the off season? Like, how are you like saying, yeah, this piece is, it looks nice, but it, I think it's got way too much pressure on it or uh, what, or, or were there other factors that like eliminated them for you? Yeah, so one of the pieces of ground, I had a pretty good idea that I wasn't going to have a lot of bow hunting pressure 
was kind of unclear on, on gun hunting pressure. And that was only because this specific piece of area actually connects to my my sister and my brother-in-law's uh, private property. And if their property backs up to state land. Um, so I had a, a, a specific way I could access through a cul-de-sac that any other Joe Schmo was not allowed to go through. And if they wanted to get to where I was going, they had to walk two miles around and figure out some way to cross over top of this beaver dam just to get to where I would access. And even then they'd have to go almost another mile to get to where I was. When it came down to like gun season, everybody was making that hike. So just, yeah, but like bow season, I didn't see a soul. So like I had, you know, October one to at least November eleventh, you know, to do whatever I to do whatever I want. So, um, okay. and then I had another another chunk of ground that is um, just not very well known in the area, uh, as far as for like bow hunting in general, and uh, so that one turned out to be to be pretty good. But as far as uh, you know what kind of would deter me away from specific places would be if I'm on a piece and I'm scouting and I'm pretty deep, I'll just call at least a mile, maybe two. Um, it even doesn't even have to be that, be that deep. If there is just unloads of human trash as you're like two miles deep in the woods and it doesn't look like it's from 1962, then yeah, there's probably some good pressure there. But again, you know, a lot of people in Michigan really like to gun hunt. They really like to gun hunt. We have a lot of bow hunters, but the majority of the pressure is is gun hunting pressure for sure. Gotcha. Okay. Yeah. yeah. So like so trash was kind of the main trash was the main thing for pressure, but then one of them was kind of do you know why it was like and without like giving this piece away, do you know like why you thought it was like not as well known for bow hunting? Does it just like not look like it's good? Don't give it away. You kind of smile and you're like, oh, I might give it away. Um, yeah, I mean, it doesn't look like it's a like it where it looks like it's like it just looks like a piece of shit. <laughs> it okay. looks like a piece of shit. That's the only way I could describe it. Um, I could give one more detail, but then it would be. Like too that much. Would really, yeah, that would be too yeah. much. For I'll, I'll tell you offline and you'd be like, oh yeah, those are great. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Okay. No, that makes sense. So you got the one like special unique piece uh, through the brother-in-law or sister-in-law or whatever. Sure. Um, Is that where you shot the buck in the shoulder? That's, it's funny you say that. That's it. The, within 25 yards of each other is where I shot that buck and that doe. Oh, Same really? Exact, like, <laughs> like within 20 yards of each other yeah same exact spot um same same area and that's the same area that audrey ended up having i think she had like three or four maybe maybe five encounters with with bucks and and does um missed on a couple couldn't get drawn back on another um and then the other section i was just talking about was where i got i got busted from another another deer gotcha so, yeah we're uh how do i want to say this did you only hunt those two pieces those two pieces of public or did you go venture out into the other like 48 that you looked at 
or at least so in the beginning i tried to venture out into specific like other places that i had scouted that i was like oh yeah this is going to be dynamite for sure even if there's pressure not a big deal underestimated some of the pressure and i in my opinion the first like the very first week in october is probably one of the best times to shoot any deer whether it's a mature buck or a doe whatever everything is patternable it's very easy in my opinion to just get yourself an opportunity and as soon as i started experiencing pressure at in a couple of these other places i immediately like reverted back to where i knew that it was very likely i wasn't going to see anybody and hunted that down until well, I mean, I had the encounter, I had that shot on that deer on day three. So then from there on, I was kind of, kind of stuck there for a little bit. I eventually ventured out to this secondary section and then I hunted that for a few weeks and I kind of hunted that throughout the season. And then where I shot the doe um, was actually where I ended up having the most running with people during the season as well. Interesting. Where you yeah. shot and killed the doe? Where I shot and killed the doe was was the place where I had it was not the most unpleasant, it was not the most pleasant encounter with another human being. I'll just say that. Yeah. Gotcha. Oh yeah, I think you told me about that one. Yeah. Previously. Yeah. Okay. So then so scouting was a big piece for sure. for like getting ops. Cause one of the big things is I always hear is like Michigan's so hard, it's even hard to just see deer. Um, but I mean, obviously you put, you looked at 50 pieces, you put in a lot of time and I'm sure you would have been able to find some deer on some of these other pieces. Um, if you didn't have these, the, the, the private land access piece and then the other one, like sure sure you would have uh, been able to do that. What were you, and a lot of that scouting was just boots on the ground, going around, checking. Was there anything you were looking for? Like specifically, are you just kind of like looking for things that look good? (laughs) <laughs> so one obviously i was looking for things that look good just in general so first i was i was trying to find like if when i was e-scouting i was i would really try to find like big tracks of ground with only certain access areas right like if i could find a chunk of public that you could only access on one side Like, because in Michigan, technically the rule is like, you're only supposed to park at the access area. You're not supposed to park like down the road. Does everybody do that? Absolutely not. Do do they hold that true? No. Um, So I try to find that just to minimize some access pressure. Okay. Um, So that would be one thing. But when I'm out there scouting, like probably the biggest thing is just trying to find like just an abundance of deer sign. Right. I'm not actually looking for like big buck tracks or um, like a bunch of rubs or scrapes or anything like that. When I'm starting on a new area, like I'm just trying to see, like, is there a lot of deer here? Like, if there's a lot of deer holding in here, there's a reason why they're here. And I just need to figure out why are they here? Like, does this place hold a ton of white oaks or something like that where they like to be there early season? And oh, across the road, there's a ton of like, out of olive or um you know honeysuckle or or 
Greenbrier or something like that, where they like to kind of transition and there's a, a bean field that's a mile away and they all kind of funnel over there. Maybe I should check over there type of deal. So I'm just trying to find out where is there abundance of deer? Like, is there an abundance of deer here? Okay, great. I'll mark it on my list as a place to kind of like walk around and check it out. Sure. And then once I'm like, yeah, I think this has some promise. Then I start looking for like big buck tracks. If I can find a set of big buck tracks on the piece of ground, then I'll really start to like dig in and try to try to dissect it and see if I can't can't get something on camera there. And if I can get one on camera there, then it typically holds heavy weight that there's a few in there. Right. And that's um so then okay, so it's it's look for deer sign, rubs, scrapes, mm-hmm. droppings, tracks, whatever. Just yeah. trying to find a pocket. Right. Right. And you'll find that like I yeah. And that's something that I often do when I'm thinking I'm thinking about a few of the pieces that I've scouted. And I have scouted some spots where it is deadsville. And you just like you go through it and you're just like, dude, I don't even think deer live here. Like there is just yeah. no way. Yeah. And it, it might look amazing. Yeah. And you're like, there's just no, I don't just I don't see anything. I don't see right. I don't see like little like little trails, nothing. Like it doesn't yeah. Yeah, just dead though. And that's one of the like, that's one of the things that, as you touch on a great point, because it's all about um, what I want to say. Uh, I want to say perspective, but it's not relevant relevancy for the area. No, that's not the word. Oh, what am I trying to? It's all um. It starts with an R. Ah, oh, man, should have taken Alpha Brain. um someone someone's listening to this like i know the word uh it's all relative it's all relative to the piece so because you might you might go on on like three pieces let's just say you're you're like going to scout three pieces this this spring like you're starting your scouting right now and you go to scout three pieces and the first piece you walk on you really don't find a lot of tracks and then one area you find like a few beds and like tracks going kind of like to and from like a private food source or something like a private egg field. And you're like, okay, like I found some sign and maybe it's just like, you know, it looks like it's one of the, one of the things in the winter that can really play with you is, is, is snow. It it really helps you, but it can also make you think there's a lot more deer there than there actually are. It could be like, a doe and two fawns and they just going back and forth and back sure, and forth back and sure. forth on the same trail right so you're like yeah. oh my god there's a ton of deer here and you're just like oh actually it's three <laughs> right <laughs> so like that can that can really play with you but but if you're hunting a piece and there's no sign anywhere and then you find one set of tracks in this one little area like that's a lot of sign for that piece like relatively sure. right yeah. whereas yeah. you could go on another piece and you could find like a a set of tracks here, a set of tracks there. Oh, there's, here's a nicer little trail over here. And then all of a sudden you like come to an area where it's just like the woods, like erupts and all the deer run away. And you're like, Oh, this is where it is. Yeah. This is where it is. Yeah. Yeah. There's like 10, there's like 10 deer here. And then you're like, all right, well they're all run. They all ran off. So I'm going to go look at all their beds and like, see what's going on in here and go putts around in here. Yeah. And then, and I think one of the things that I got stuck doing a lot um, when I first started like winter scouting, like scouting in January, February, March was um, 
I was hunting pieces that I didn't scout enough. I didn't scout enough different pieces. I didn't look at 50. I'd look at like three. And then based on those three, I'd kind of like pick the one that was kind of the best or I thought looked the best. And when I should have just spent my time scouting and driving further, because like you could find out of those three, you could find like, you could find a piece that holds like, I don't know, six deer, like, and, and you find the sign and it's the best out of the three that you looked at. But if you would have drove another 10 minutes, you would have found a spot that holds 30 deer, you know, and you would have had a lot more opportunity. So like, that's one of the things that really kind of messes with me is like, um, and it, it messes with a lot of people. I, I have to assume it, it messed with me. Um, and it's, oh, and, and I know it messed with one of my neighbors here this year. He's like, dude, there's a whole boatload of deer here. And it turned out to be like a few does that he was seeing the same does every night. And then sure. peasant hunters came in and pushed it all around and he wasn't very deep. Um, and he's just like, yeah, dude, all the deer ran away when the pheasant hunter started. I'm like, well, yeah. I don't yeah. <laughs> like I told you yeah. like I I told you that wasn't going to work out once uh October like whatever it is October 6th hits in Wisconsin and all the pheasant hunters come sure sure um, and something else too that like I I didn't really like and I've I've known about this and I I've known this information and I I for whatever reason I always seem to forget it but this year it and I forgot it again this year until the end of the season and I'm really going to try to make a point to like, let that, let this stick with me. But um, like when you're scouting, especially on like public ground is uh, like, for whatever reason, like people tend to forget that deer don't know boundaries. Like they don't have a boundary. Right. So yeah, yeah, the road's there, but like, like, it's not really a boundary, right? Like it is, but it's, it's not like, because the public section is squared off between, you know, Johnson Road and, and David Street doesn't mean that like that's the only place like those deer can like can be like yeah. their section may be like split across the intersection. Oh, you know? yeah. And like you really have to kind of like zoom out like once you kind of like find that deer sound like zoom out and kind of think like, OK, like is it are they actually in this area or like, am I just seeing like a little bit of sign type of deal or yeah. kind of like, what is this? And uh, towards the end of the season that it really helped me like really connect some dots on a, on a couple things. things. Um, I just wanted to throw that out there. Yeah. Dude, I, a lot of people forget that. A hundred percent. Like people tend to think people like buck betting, hunting buck betting, like is a big, is a big thing. Right. And I, and I believe like, it's a great Jake Bush, Dan and fault, like the, um, uh, and there's a few other people, but those are just the two that come top of mind. They, uh, they like to hunt buck beds. The, the thing that uh, is not discussed a lot is the fact that a buck can have 15 beds, 30 beds. He can have yeah. five, like I, yeah. you know, he can have as many beds as he wants. And he might, his, his territory may encompass nine different pieces of property, including two pieces of public and seven pieces of private. Like he can flow through that whole thing. So hunter. And that may just be a bed that he likes to use for 20 days out of the year. Yeah. Or that may be a bed that he likes to use the last week of October because he's got a favorite scrape that he likes to hit around Halloween. So that's when he's there. And then after that, he's not. Yeah. 
and there you have two ways of knowing that trail cameras or time in the woods like that's pretty much it yeah <laughs> um, sure. so and that's why cell cams have become like such a prominent tool like for a lot of people like just being able to get that real time okay he's here i gotta hunt type of thing right. for the next right. three days he's here so and i and i learned that a lot this year out of one of the bucks i there's a double main beam buck that i was trying mm. to chase i only hunted him for three days uh i hunted him for three days straight and that's the only three days i i hunted seven days total this year and three of those days were were just dedicated straight to him and um it's pretty pitiful hunting season for me i'm i'm sorry yeah, to admit that. I did. I Seven did. Seven days yeah. and shot a doe. I hunted over I fifty and shot a doe in the last ninety seconds. <laughs> <laughs> it's hard. Yeah, it's hard. I don't it care is. how good you are. It's still hard. Yep. It is. Yeah. No. I. Just, I'm saying it's pretty pitiful. And uh, and I only got out seven days. Like I, I got to put more. I did. I did have a nine day elk hunt. So I had seven days in the whitetail okay. woods. Nine days elk hunting. So whatever that is, sixteen days total. But. Um, I got to put in more, a little bit more. And you're going to hunt again before the season's over. So I am. Get, yeah. Yeah. I'll put in, I'm going to put in some time over the next couple of weeks. I'll be asking for time off from work and my wife. Cool. So see if, <laughs> see, see if I get the approval, but yeah, the, 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 the part where that, that you're leading into and that you're talking about is find the sign, but then drop your pins in your piece of public that that deer is on or that those deer are using might just be a pass-through might be a bedding area might be a food source or like the past the the travel like it's one of three things right. right so so also take a look at okay where are they coming from where are they going to uh are they they're probably coming from this thicket over here they're coming through here they're picking up some acorns and they're going to this ag over here or something it's usually sure. pretty predictable especially in the late season like january yeah. or march like deer are doing one thing bed to food bed to food like they're not rutting they're not doing crazy stuff right, right so yeah i think like like if you're out scouting and you're starting to look for new properties like find those find that sign but then exactly what you said take a take a ten thousand foot view and be like all right what else is out here like where could these deer be moving to and from and like especially if you are hunting a pressured area how can i get to them first how can I be the first one? And it's usually Where's everybody else coming. Yeah, it's usually a property line. Like how, like if they're coming from key a, point A to point B, and I got to kill them somewhere in there. Like what's like? I don't want to sit on the fence, but I can sit 15 yards off the fence, 20 yards off the fence, and like hopefully they hop across, and then you can shoot them, and they stay on the public, so you don't have to, you know, jump back. Yeah. But at least that gets you because they might be working towards an oak flat that everybody and their brother knows about but they uh they would rather like you can catch them before they get even get there right sure sure so yeah that's a, that's a that's a great point um and we brought up trail cameras so after you had scouted um kind of put boots in the ground and kind of narrowed down to like the pieces the two that you really wanted to hunt or did you throw cameras out on any of the other ones or were you mainly so I had cameras like kind of like spread out. Okay. And as soon as like some of this pressure like kicked off, like I made some time like available and went and ripped them all down because I I didn't, I just, 
don't know the area i don't really know like what kind of pressure i don't really know like what are people like in the woods and in, in tennessee like someone will see your camera and kind of like give you like a thumbs up like hey saw man like good job and they'll kind of like leave it be this was the first year in five years that i had sd cards stolen you know and like like thank you for only taking my sd card but like i hate you for taking my <laughs> sd card like you could just like just just do the work yourself. Like you see my camera there. Like, hey, I'm trying to like just see what's on this game show. There's another one 50 yards that way. Go put your camera on it. Like just right. do the work. It's only going to make you like you walking in the woods, seeing my SD card, and then you just seeing a picture of a buck on there. It's not going to make you any better. All you saw is a picture of a buck. Well, you didn't yeah, like going like, walking and try to figure out, hey, why is this thing here? Where is he going to? Right. All the details. You just stole someone's property. Yeah, but if it's like a 180 inch buck, I think he's going to hunt there more. He probably will. <laughs> He'll probably hunt it every single day and blow him out of the water. And be, <laughs> you know, and like that's his own fault. Yeah. But, um, one thing I did do with my trail cameras is on the main chunk of public that connects to my brother in law's. There's an, there's an old logging road and I, I had a camera on it. And as soon as I had um, a little bit of pressure on there, I, I had, it was on like the main logging road and I had caught, I was like hunting out, out in this, this CRP field. And I had, my camera had dinged and it was a guy walking. Well, I was able to know that this guy was coming down the field and I was able to kind of like give like a whistle or whatever. And then he kind of backed off and went out, went out the other way. So that camera, I kind of used that camera and another one down along this line, like exclusively to kind of like give myself a heads up because I was with my schedule. I was able to kind of be one of the first people there. Yeah. Um, and it, it just, it just really helped, but yeah, cameras are, they can be very useful, but I think, uh, I, I use cell cameras just like a lot of other people, but I think people live and die by them too much. I sure. try to use them for more for for inventory and kind of like okay you have to like to come around this time uh area but that doesn't mean that you can just kill them right there right like you kind of yeah. you gotta there's more dots you gotta figure out yeah yeah and the other big thing that uh, i mean and i get stuck in this one of my big problems is is um now that i have cell cams if i don't have the deer on cell cams i'm like oh they're not there right but then right. like I have definitely like I have the cutty links, I have tacticams and I have an exodus and I have no pictures of deer. And then I go out there and there's tracks and I'm like, everywhere. and I'm all like, okay. him. yeah. And I'm like, all right, I, that was very, very foolish. Right. And I still like a good spot's a good spot, whether a camera tells you it or not. Right. Like go put your, go put some time in there. Well, how I look at it is, and I was telling, I, I was scouting with a buddy the other day, and then he, we were kind of talking about trail cameras and how I put it to him was, it's, it, he was kind of saying the same exact thing you were saying. And I just told him, I was like, yeah, stand right here, look at this scrape. Now put a cone around your eyes and just look at this scrape. Like that's all your camera can see. It's not you yeah. standing here where you have all this like peripheral vision, you're like hunting in the woods. No, it's a camera staring at the ground. So if they don't right. walk right there, I right. mean, there are thousands and thousands and thousands of deer in the woods. Like you're just having a camera at the one one little specific spot. You can't live and die by that. 
Right. Like, and like a buck doesn't have to, and this is my opinion, so take it for what it's worth, but I don't believe that a buck has to stop at a scrape or a licking branch to know what type of communication or no. to get communication out there. He can walk 30 yards downwind and catch all the smells that he desires and keep it moving, baby. Yeah, for sure. <laughs> like a hundred percent. Right. Um, because yeah, you might I was talking to somebody earlier and he had two cameras in on one was on a scrape and one was on a trail that he thought was really good and it was like 20 30 yards from the scrape and he would get a buck on the scrape like like there was this one like 10 point that he was kind of keeping an eye on and that 10 point would hit it like once every two weeks or so um or once every week i should say i think that's what it was it was yeah through october and into late november or something but he would get that buck on camera on the game trail two to three times a week. So he wasn't always going to the scrape. Right. And people are like, Oh, this buck is, you know, he comes through once a week and actually it's like, no, he actually comes through here two to three times a week. He's just 30 yards East or whatever. Yeah. Right. So it's yeah. just, yeah, it's one of those things where it's like, you would never, you'd never know that unless you were in the woods or you had multiple cameras in the same area. Right. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Yep. I mean, I, yeah. Uh, and to dude, I, uh, I looked at this photo. So I took a photo one morning. I was out hunting with, with my buddy Parker and I snapped a photo of him. We were setting up the tree stands and it was 7am and it gets light at like 720 ish, 730. We were, we were late. We were, we were definitely late. Like it was, uh, yeah, we were, we were getting into the woods and it was like getting to be gray light. Like I was hanging the stand without, without a flashlight um or a headlamp and my camera went off at 716 and it was the buck i was after <laughs> and he was 70 yards up the hill from me and i never saw him we sat there for 4 hours and i never saw him so like it was and and he was coming he was like on the trail he was at a scrape where the trail has two options come to me or go to the west and he went west he might he must have because he didn't come to me <laughs> and i was just like fuck like that was that's as close as i got to him and the neighbor ended up killing him um, uh, uh, yeah neighbor ended up killing him 7 a.m on open air of gun season shot him at 40 yards good i mean his kid good for him you know nice yeah, good for him. yeah. <laughs> but it also tells me that I had an idea of, of his path of where he liked to be. And I asked, I talked to the neighbor. I was like, Oh, nice. That's I, and I sent him a picture. It's that's this buck. I have him on camera on my, on our piece too. He goes, really? He's been, I have a lot of pictures of him over here on our piece. So mm -hmm. he was nice in sharing that info. So that deer was living he was crossing three, potentially four properties like in his territory. So, um, I wonder if, uh, I wonder, was he like, you think he was one of the dominant deer in there? Yeah, he will for sure. There were, yeah, he was on the West side of our property. He was the dominant deer. Let me ask you this. I want, I want your opinion on this. So what in a situation, this is something I've been asking people. I've been trying to get a gauge what people's opinion is on this. So in that situation, you feel that he was one of the dominant bucks right there in the area, right? 
the other, the neighbor, he's got, you know, a lot of intel on him on that piece. You thought you had a lot of intel on your piece. You kind of now are able to connect the dots on like the travel ways that he has, has liked. Now, do you feel that like the next buck in line is going to kind of like take those over? So I've been paying very, I've been paying very close attention to this. So it is not on the, on our property. So we've hunted it for four years. This is the fourth season now. Um, On our property, the, there are some, there's like a huge territory boundary between Mm -hmm. the east and the west bucks i got on the west side of the farm i very rarely if ever get them on the east and vice versa so like there's some sort of giant territory boundary there however um they will cross like during the rut they'll cross over um but the bucks i know more about the west side of the farm the bucks on the west side of the farm generally the mature deer generally use this very similar trails so like and what i mean by that is how do i um if the bucks on the west side of the farm come from off of our property they do not bet on our property i found that out um i shouldn't say that they very rarely bet on our property um and they'll come from the west to the east so my, the west end of my prop properties where they're traveling to the east sure they cross the fence and there is two trails where they can cross there's one two well hold on a second one two three four five six seven eight not there's nine trails that these deer can use and the mature deer like two of them so like they're that's where I always get them on camera as these two trails. Um, and I've put cameras on all the trails. And most of the time they like these two trails, the bigger bucks do the, mm-hmm. the, the forkies and the little six and baskets and stuff like that. They're kind of all over the place, like sporadic, but the big guys really like two of the trails. Mm. Uh, so I've always thought that was really interesting last year the deer on our property we have this it's like a at a we have 100 acres 110 acres and there's like a 20 acre chunk that we call the knob it's like a point um and half of it is is cliff so they can only get up on the other half they can get get up and down on the other half of it if that makes does that make sense yeah so so last year the mature deer really liked the knob they were up there a lot. I got a lot of pictures of good bucks of there were like three good bucks up there that I would shoot like two, two, like 140 ish inch, 10 points. And then one big 12 point was up there last year and they liked it this year. Nothing. They did not like it. They were up there a few times. So I don't know what the deal was. Mm. Um, so I'm I'm not sure, but I'll tell you this: after that 11 point got killed, there is now a big eight point using the same trail system. Bingo! So he just he started doing the uh, he has a very so with these with the Cuddy Link cell cameras, all of a sudden like it's almost like they're hid that 11 point change in pecking order. That's the only yeah, thing but I he and he's with, right? yeah, and he's similar schedule too. 
and actually it's it's totally changed now it was similar for like two weeks he was there once every three to four days and he was kind of in this like we have a fence line that comes to a corner and points like it's a corner uh we have woods that like is a point into a cornfield so the Mm -hmm. deer really like to enter the cornfield that we don't own the cornfield but they like to enter from our woods into that cornfield and um they uh they group like there's there's a fence up there and there's a part where it's down so i have a camera where it's down because they like to go in and out of the down area um and he was coming through there once every three to four days just like the other one was and he was always coming from the west meaning he was betting on the neighbors taking the very same same trails through because i had i wanted to understand this so i put three cameras in like a 20 acre area Sure. And different trails. And he would hit camera one and then hit camera two and then go out to the field. Same pattern as the other one. So um, it's not to say that that they're not using the other trails, but it's also saying that they like that same trail. Sure. So there's a reason. Yeah. Yeah. There, there, there has to be. Um, I don't know what it is, but I think it's more secluded. It's less used um, mm-hmm. is another thing. Um, and it's, it's harder to see, but at the same time, it's, um, we cleaned. And the other big thing is I cleaned it out this year. I wanted them to take that trail. So I cleaned it out and just made it like a nice, easy walk. There was a whole bunch of down tree, not down there, were like small branches falling over it. Like you could see it if you looked at it, but sure. it wasn't like a hallway. I made it into like a, a one and a half two foot wide hallway and and they just started using it more and more and more so mm. so i yeah um it's it's a it's an interesting point in question which is i do think mature deer on the same piece of property will do very similar things year over year like four and a half year old five and a half year old bucks generally like to do x because sure. a lot of the people I've had on the podcast, um, and I got on a kick for this while last year, which <laughs> was a killing tree. There's a bunch of guys that I had on the podcast, big killers that kill out of the same tree every year because it's just in the right spot. And the mature deer like to use that area in this way. Sure. So like That's I'm willing. Awesome, yeah. That's so yeah. awesome. It is, Still yeah. Fine with those, <laughs> right? Oh, dude, yeah. Killing trees, like I, and once you find them, like never tell anyone about them. Yeah, because sure. <laughs> sure. it's just one of those things that's like, yeah. Once you and every property has them. There's got there's killing trees in every property. You just got to figure out which ones are it. You know, sure. yeah. Um, I would agree pretty, with that. Yeah. So, no, that'd be that'd be that. Um, how do we get off? We, you, we were talking about something. What? And then you fault. asked me that question. I don't remember. I think we were talking about, um, what were we talking about? We talked about, I think at the beginning it was, it was, uh, how are you using trail cameras? Yeah. Okay. Yep. Yep. So the camera part, um, so you were using cameras across all those different properties and then you kind of corralled them up and then rearrange them and put them onto the properties that you were going to hunt. Right. Yeah. Yep. Did you, did you have any good bucks on the properties that you ended up crossing off your list and not hunting? 
did it have any good bucks on the properties I crossed off? That's yeah. Jeff. Like on camera. Uh, yes, I did, but I didn't know that I did until on the properties that I crossed off. I didn't know. I take that back. There was one, the area that I shot my doe in, I had seen some good tracks. It's also the area I had an SD card that was that was taken. There was some some good, nice quality deer that were on there. Nothing amazing, but big enough that I was like, oh yeah, I'm all in on this area. These would be great as a first time Michigan public land buck. Like these would be fantastic. Nothing special, nothing crazy. Um, but then I left, left, left those areas, hunted, hunted the other ones. And yeah. um at the very end of the season, it was kind of like, hey, I just, I just, I need to give up on this spot. And like that deer that I shot, he's gone. He's gone right now. Just like let it go, go somewhere else. Like go. I just was almost getting bored just staring at the same area yeah. that I just needed to go and get different scenery. And I did, and I had some uh like encounters with with does and um I had some really boring sits and finally I was like you know what I'm just gonna take a couple of days and re-scout the area and see where's the most freshest sign so I threw up a couple of cameras on there um and I ended up finding a really hot section of acorns and which was pretty sparse throughout all of my scouting um, in the off season. And then in, in October, I didn't really see a lot of acorns. And a lot of people I talked to had the same, was kind of the same thing. And when I had found them, um, you know, I threw up a camera and ended up having some, some pretty good, pretty good deer on there. One of which is, will definitely mark or has marked the biggest public land deer I've ever had on camera so far, for sure. That's cool. Yeah. That's way cool. Yeah. So, yeah. Okay. So I, I, and I want to jump into that and I want to ask you about that. We could talk all you want about it. That's fine. <laughs> I'm all, I'm, I'm totally. Uh, yeah. No, I just want to, cause that's going to lead into what you're going to do for trying to like, what you're going to do this, this winter, spring, and what's sure. going to be different. But I guess like if you're starting out in a new area, new place, like you had bad luck this year, you just want to clean the slate. It's really getting out, scouting, go and look at all these pieces, find places with deer, drop cameras, see if there's like, see what you think, if there's going to be pressure, if there's not, you know, get out there now. Like the other big, I always love dropping cameras now at the end of season because no one's out there. Right. Like you're the odds of shit getting stolen is so slow, so slim. Right. I love putting cameras out until turkey season. Then I pull it. Then I pull stuff in turkey season. Then I'll re-put out um, in the summer because there's just like no one out there. But at the same time, the summer stuff, I, I'm I'm hesitant on that. Like I usually give the cameras a rest from like effectively like April to July, I guess. Because yeah. you don't, you never know where the deer are going to settle, and even if you get pictures of them, you don't know if they're bucks or does, really, unless you get a picture of their dick, like, <laughs> right? Yeah, sure. and so you're just like, I don't, I, you know, and it's not like this huge, unless you're trying to figure out. The only thing I could really figure out is like, is this a morning area or an evening area? Like that. I think even then, like even in April, like 
it's I tough. mean, it's so far away. Like so many things can change. Right. The environment that they're in can change between April and September. And even in September, there's another shift. Like, mm-hmm. you know, I'm the same way. So like right now, the, the season has has and the main part of Michigan season has ended and I'm like 110 like full throttle on getting my cameras to where I am trying to pick apart a very specific section and I've already got I've gotten a couple out there and yeah it's a great time to do it um I've gotten a couple great deer on camera ones that are I can't believe are even alive um and uh yeah, it just kind of tells you because they're, they're still on like that like late December mode, like end of season mode. Like they're still on like the rut calm down, right? So it just – it the amount of knowledge you can get right now on cameras is 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 pretty, pretty good. I mean, it can really stay true to like beginning of December and the following year. Like that's kind of like where you need to be type of deal um and then as well as two i like i like to shed hunt quite a bit and if i can catch one that's pops on camera and then two days later it's he's on there and antlers are gone like i'm probably going to be in there scouting around and then you always end up learning something getting in there this time of year but no one ever is out there never see anybody no no there's no no one no one's out there in 20 degrees like scouting like very few people are out there bopping around no right and that's nice it's peaceful man you never oh, have to worry about running into anybody. It's great. Um, it's great. Okay. So, so, you know, even with all your scouting and going after like, and putting your cameras out and putting boots on the ground and like checking all these areas and hunting over 50 times, like the public still beats you up. Right. Still oh, crush me. I mean, you had three opportunities, which is pretty good, but you know, you three for 60 or whatever, how many remains <laughs> you had, right? Like you'd want to, I mean, Audrey and Audrey had more opportunities. Yeah, she had more than I did. Yeah. Right. So what is, and not that that's like bad, right? Not that three for 60 is bad. Like, you know, um, what, uh, God, I'm having brain farts right now. Deer development. I can't think of his name. I can think oh, of it. It's, uh, it's, uh, uh, Alex, is it Scully? Yeah, Scully, Alex Scully. Yep. So, and Alex, he was on for like, I think he, it was the podcast was like 50 sits and counting and he killed sure. on 56, you know, yeah. but that was his first. And the year before he had three bucks and 12 sits, That's you know? Crazy. Right. So crazy. And so he's like, so he's just like, yeah, dude, this year it took me 56 sits to kill his deer. I mean, dude, Mark Drury always says it the best deer hunting is 95% failure, 5% success rate. And your successes are measured differently. Yeah, like, I, I agree. But you know. I'm I'm saying all that to say, what is your plan or what are you going to try to do like this year to to help you get more opportunities or seal the deal a little bit in less sits? So I have a pretty good read on the main two pieces of ground that I hunted pretty heavily. So I'm not like overly concerned in in one of the areas that I'm probably going to scout a decent amount. The other one that I have a good access to, I'm probably just going to like leave alone. I don't really need to be in there. I kind of know what to expect. 
I kind of know when the pressure is coming in, how long the pressure is going to be there, when it's going to leave. And I know when I need to be there and I know where all the deer generally live and which winds they like to enter in this specific area. I'm good there. Um, one of the other areas that I have that I have gotten some good deer on, I'm pretty much taking my whole arsenal and trying to figure out different sections of this 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 large piece. Is it a new? Area. Is it a new piece? It is. It's a new okay. area. Um, I'm just really trying to figure out some different scenarios in there because this place has some serious pressure. So I'm trying to one, I'm trying to locate as many uh, bucks in there as I can. And then from there, trying to, I'll probably scout the area a good bit just to see if I can't find any ladder stands or hang on stands or blinds that were left inside there. Cause right now all that stuff is still out there. Very few guys have taken their stuff down and I'll mark pins and those guys that put ladder stands out, they're probably going to put it back there the same, the same area guys that hunted a lock on stand that's up there. They probably have that pin. So I'm trying to figure out where are these people going? That type of deal. Um, Mm -hmm. And also tells you that they haven't killed that deer. Right. <laughs> right. None of them. Yeah. None, yeah. None of them. I just, yeah. And the thing is, is so in this, in this, we'll talk about it a little bit, but in this, this section is fairly large. It's, it's pretty big. Um, earlier in the year when I had, had put out a camera, this was like uh, early September. I think I had maybe like six or seven quality bucks on there that were over a hundred inches. So they're not, they're not giants, but those are great public land deer for, for bow hunters. Yeah. And um, so six or seven of those. And um, now the deer that I'm getting on camera in there in a different section of this large piece are of like their trophy caliber. And I can't believe that they're not, they're not dead. So I don't know if they live there, if they're just coming through there, or is there a reason that they're there right now towards like the December half of the year into January? Um, So I'm kind of like throwing my arsenal in there just to see if I can pick it apart. And I'm probably going to give it a good effort. Okay. I'm going to give it a good effort no matter how much pressure is there and just, just accept and deal with the pressure. Um, and just just deal with it man like that's really only it's only really thing i have to go off of i haven't hunted there enough right i don't have enough experience there i don't you know because it was every time i drove by there there was cars there so i was just like oh this place is this place is blown well it's not i just got to figure it out yeah 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 well if it's big and there's always two three cars there they might be in the same area same spots or whatever Sure. Right. They might be going back to that same ladder stand because they saw a good buck there eight years ago. Sure. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Um, so then as far as like picking it apart, are you going to um you're gonna put your cameras out now? Do you do doing some scouting now and, and checking it all out? And then are you gonna like effectively res- like start that up again in July, August, put the cameras, re-put the cameras back out there? try to see if they're still there, do more scouting out in that specific kind of area of that large piece. You know, I was thinking about that 
this morning actually and i don't think i'm gonna put my cameras out there in july this year i don't think i'm gonna do that anymore i used to do that all the time um one batteries are expensive that's the first thing like it doesn't matter how much money you make like batteries are expensive even the cheap batteries now like it's like it's ridiculous um but i think i'm gonna put my cameras out in like I think I'm going to put them all out like the second week of like uh, September. Okay. A couple weeks before the season starts. Just be, yeah. So then you'd like, is that to help with batteries, but then also like the shift that kind of happens in the beginning of September once they shed? Yeah. Because the, the, all the pressure that I've seen here is like, as soon as like, like as soon as like, uh, or I don't want to say as soon as, during that September time frame, there are a lot of guys that are out there that are kind of like glassing, like watching fields, or they are kind of like scouting a little bit. Um, but as soon as it's like the week before, like I didn't see any deer around like at all. Like they know, they know it's coming, right? They know. So in those those like common areas that you would put a truck in, like a, a field edge or something like that, right? Like yeah. to me, that's a waste of time in some of these these pressured public areas. Like, yeah, you're you may get big deer on that every night. You'll never catch them like in the day, like and a hundred people walk by that camera, but you're never gonna catch them there, right? So I did I was just thinking that I'm gonna put my cameras out second week of September and I'll probably exclusively put them on um you know, community scrapes or hub scrapes, something that that dips off from like a, a ridge top bedding that sets up good wind for the buck or whatever's up there to be able to kind of slip in the bottom and catch them coming down. Gotcha. Because during the time in October, even in early October, like a lot of people focus on the food and I do too. But if you can catch one slipping, like, cause that's when they, as soon as October hits, like they start investigating. If you're in the right spot, then like you're good to go. Yeah. But that's what I'm gonna do. Okay, gotcha. Yeah. So, um, and then are you gonna be are you gonna be doing more scouting there? Like, are you gonna leave that piece alone? Are you gonna try to get all your scouting done here in the next, you know, in February, March, and then just leave it alone until you go back in September? Or are you gonna like try to poke around in there in September again? I'm probably going to do a ton of scouting in there between I'm definitely doing a lot of scouting there right now, but I'll, I'll be in there between now and April. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. I'll probably be in there for April. And then as soon as the end of April comes around, I'll, I'll pull my cameras off there and then I won't, I probably won't even scout in there like when September hits, I'll just wait until the second week. And on those exclusive locations that I have found for this previous year or this year, that's where I'll probably put all my cameras and let it, and let it run. Yeah. And then, and then off of that. are you going to like rough out where you want to set up like in certain areas? Like oh, yeah. this, this yeah. spring, you're going to be like, all right, I like this tree for this setup and this wind, are you going to like, you are going to rough all that out. Are you going to rough that out now? Or do you do that in September? Oh no, no, I'll do that now. Yeah. I'm going to do like, like as I'm setting up my camera, I'll just give a scenario. So I found a, a, what I believe to be a mature bucks bed on this ridge top, given the sign that was there, right. It's a nine inch diameter tree. This rub is 
comes up five foot. Like that's pretty high. That typically tells me, hey, this is a big deer. And if I put a camera there, I, I usually get one there, right? Um, and then it kind of slopes down and goes kind of into this bottom bowl. And there's like a hub scrape down there. And I'll have my camera okay. down, right? So he's on the top. He can use multiple winds up there. So I'm in the bottom. I'm kind of setting my camera up and kind of looking around and figuring out what tree I want to pick. Is this going to set up for this wind, this wind, and this wind? You know, are these the sure. ones that I can hunt inside here? And here's the trees. And I'll mark the trees and I'll know where they're at so that I can kind of get in there. And then I'll, I'll like run a tracking mode on my, on my maps on what I think is going to be the easiest access. And then, you know, when that second week of September comes around, if that access doesn't work, then while I'm there that day, I'll find the next easiest piece of access to get to that spot. And then that's it. And then run it. Gotcha. So then what, like, yeah, and there's a whole lot of scenarios, but I have to imagine you're going to play out like, all right, what if I run into some, like, what if someone else is in there? What if there's already cameras in there or whatever? It's just kind of like, all right, whatever. If I run into, if there's a camera in a couple of these spots that I'm thinking in my head right now, I'll still hunt there. I, yeah. I won't waste my time putting my camera there because there's cameras there. That's kind of silly. Yeah. Um, but I know what's there. Yeah, you don't need to. Right. There's sometimes like there's some spots like you know what is there. You don't have to have to be there. Right. You don't right. need the camera. Right. You don't need the camera you... to tell you there's a big boy there. Right. Like perfect example is your guys's hunting property, that hundred acres. Yeah. I mean, you ran cameras on it now, but if you took them all down, you could hunt there for the next 10 years and you always know that you're gonna have good deer in there. Yeah, there's a very likely camera there, right? Yeah. Yep. Same yeah. No, that makes sense. And that, and I do think like, e- even if that buck like doesn't show up, say, say you see him on the side of the road, he gets hit by a car, you know, like I'm not don't trying to be my a heart. Let's don't break my heart already. Oh my I'm God. I'm willing to bet you there's going to be another five and a half or six and a half year old buck in that area next year. Like, 100%. yeah, I think I remember hearing this. I heard this a long time ago. It's like, Dude, if if you have a house and there's a you know a king suite, and the king that's in there like dies, someone else is gonna take that bedroom. Yeah. Right. So the yeah. next big king is gonna take that bedroom, and that's kind of like I'm how a, I am a hundred percent completely bought in, firm believer on that. If this, if there's, if you have a section of a hundred acres, and you know you have the one deer is the most dominant deer in there. And he uses these three bets. These are his other bucks. Don't use them. As soon as that buck is not in one of those beds, right. The next, the next deer that's in the lineup, like he's using his off bed. Yeah. Those smaller bucks learn from the older ones. Like they, they do bachelor yeah. group together. So you, you would right. imagine that they just kind of fall in line, like through the cycle. Mm-hmm through the years yeah as long as terrain or like vegetation doesn't change too much like it's all gonna pretty much stay roughly the same right yeah 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 that makes sense um all right dude well yeah i mean anything else that you're gonna be doing and in the off season i mean are you gonna stay because we didn't that's that's the large you're talking about the large parcel we have with the private access parcel and then the the chunk that looks shitty but isn't 
Like, are you still going to be scouting that, or are you going to be looking yeah. at it? Chunk that looks shitty, but is not, has some awesome deer on it. Like, and I'm not surprised that there's not good deer on it. Um, but that one is, it's, it's a nasty old swamp, super thick, lots of briars. Um, there's tons of different trails and stuff in there. It's just, it's so tall. It's really hard to navigate. Um, and that's one of those places where, I mean, it's thick enough where a deer could be within, you know, 10, 15 yards of you and you're walking, even though they're downwind of you, like they don't have to get up. Like they can just sit there and watch you go on by. Cause like <laughs> they're cool. They're good with it. Cause they're not, they're not afraid. They know that you're not going to be able to get to them with that buffer of thickness. Like you're not, you can't get to them fast enough. Gotcha. And, uh, but yeah, I will probably scout that place coming up very, very soon. I'm probably going to shed hunt that place more than, more than anything. Cause I think, I think there's a lot in there and I think it's worth, worth my time. I know a couple places in there to be where they kind of like to be, but there's a lot of, a lot of variables in there. Like that one's going to take, that one might take a couple of years to like really figure out. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. That's fair. So last, last question, last sure. question before, before we wrap it up, I think we're close to like an hour and a half here. Um, Do you think sheds help you in October finding them? I think it can. I don't, I, I, I don't, I mean, sure. Yeah. I don't see yeah. why not. Okay. I mean, if you found a pair of a set of sheds on the top of a ridge top in a bed, like you just dropped, you you just yeah, you just fell on his bed, right? But if yep. you found uh, a shed in a giant clover field that's a hundred acre square, you know, is Probably that not. where you hunt every single time? No, for yeah. sure, definitely not. But I have found us. I have found, you know three or four different sheds kind of within the same like 20 yard diameter radius of each other. And I do think there is something to that where sometimes like year over year, like it seems like if you find a a few sheds in a certain area, like the following year, typically you end up finding one like kind of again in that general same area for whatever reason, I have no idea. Not a, not a clue. I do think if you're, if you're in like a timber track and you find a set of sheds, there's you should probably scout around a little bit and see, you know, there was a buck there for a reason. Like okay. it could just be a travel, it could just be a trail, right? It could just be a travel, you know, corridor or something like that. Okay. Or it could be, you know, a swirl dead wind zone or something. And he just loves to be there. Yeah. You know, no, I think fair. I think it's worth investigating. I don't know if I do every single one. I mean, if if it was a hammer shed, you're like, yeah, you should probably spend some time there, you know? Sure. What yeah, do you okay. No, that's a great point. Great point. The, the context is important. Yeah. For that. What do you think? What's your, what's your opinion on it? Is it the same? Or are you? Yeah. Uh, yeah. Context matters for okay. sure. So like, uh, I think it's Gre- Greg Glessinger I had on one year and he ended up, he found sheds two years in a row in the exact within like 20 yards. And so he couldn't figure out where this deer was living. And he's like, he's 
got to be, he thought the first year it was a fluke. The second year he was like, Oh shit, this deer is living here. Third year. He put a tree stand within 20 yards of those sheds and shot the buck on the trail where he found the sheds. He's like the buck's home range was like 30 acres. And it was like a 200 inch deer. Like he lived alone in this little tiny chunk and he could never figure out where he was coming from or going to it's cause he never came out. Like he just lived there. So I think that might be something that I have on my hands with this other deer. I I think so. Yeah. And I haven't heard of anyone else telling a story like that because you'll also hear guys that are like, yeah, dude, it's January and I have eight bucks on the property that I've never seen, but I also have a 40 acre standing corn chunk, you know, so you find sheds from deer that don't live there. Like they're just there for the three months until they get through the food and then they're gone again. You'll never see them again until the next year in that time frame. which then those sheds are important for late season. Like, I think that matters for late season, Sure, but I don't think it matters necessarily for October. I don't Yeah, Right. It's, it's context of when and how you find them and where what's around. Yeah. What's around. How far is it? Yeah. That's a good, I, you you bring up a great point. Because they can be extremely helpful and they can also be like, here's a shed in a 400 acre cornfield. Cool. (laughs) Right. Yeah. Thousand pounds of corn. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. So, and that's what's my, my neighbor has a 400 acre cornfield. Like you could, the deer go, oh, it's a, and it's the top of a ridge and it's got all these like fingers that stick out into it. Dude, you could find a shed in that thing and it doesn't it would do you no good besides to tell you that this deer was here sure <laughs> that's sure. it so yeah. yeah for sure for sure um all right vince well thanks for hopping on man i really appreciate it uh if people yeah. want to find you i mentioned it earlier but but why don't you do the honors yeah uh the best place honestly to get in contact with me or, or to just kind of follow along the journey is at chasing public. And it's on Instagram. That's probably the best place. We do have a YouTube channel, but it's, uh, it's active, but inactive. It's a work not, in progress. Uh, yeah. Work in progress. Yeah. So if you ever want to chat hunting, just hit me up, just shoot me a message. Always open. All right. Awesome. Thank you, Vince. Uh, For everybody listening, if you enjoyed the podcast, please like, subscribe, tell your friends, tell them it's awesome. It's fun. Leave a five-star review. Really appreciate it. Thank you, everybody. Have a great week and a good 2023. This is the first podcast of 2023. So thank you, everybody, for listening. Have a good one.